2: Don't be afraid to be great.
1: You don't get no better than that, man. He's like wide open receiver across midfield. Still going. Missouri, amazing. Where's the noise?
2: This is the cast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazadcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, we're nearing the end of the college basketball season for our Missouri Tigers. Thank Christ. Yeah, it couldn't come at a better time. I mean, there was a point, I think, where this team was kind of rebounding a little bit. Well, they were not rebounding physically, but they were... Uh, I know they played Auburn to a point. You know they they were playing. They went from getting beat by forty every night to playing close games, still losing them, but playing close. And then we started getting blown out again. And then we get swept by Mississippi State, a really bad on a downward trajectory football basketball team. And we are now facing a ten win season as we've got four regular season games left. And Colin, honestly, I think people are kind of tired of listening to us bitch about this basketball team and Conzo Martin but what are you going so to do? let's do, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's the reality is that uh, they're they're ending his fifth year now and we've got like I said four regular season games left. We've got 10 wins. We were talking about the the high watermark for Kim Anderson in and his horrible tenure was it? he had 8 wins, 9 wins and then a 10-win season. Missouri has all they got to do is win one more game to top Kim Anderson level bad, but to do it, they've got to beat number t- <laughs> number 17 tennessee at home then they go on the road where they're not good and play lsu who is better than us south carolina who is better than us and then the most winnable game we've seen on the schedule since the beginning is georgia coming home on march 5th to f- close out the season they they should be able to get one win out of that but i don't know if there's more than one win they're going to close the season out make, 10 or 11 wins and if they lose out I mean, gosh, if you're going to try to pump up Conzo, your arguments are getting pretty thin.
0: You know, Mizzou has surprised me this season, getting some wins, and so there, maybe they win too. I mean, I certainly I think you know of that stretch of games, the one you're circling is Georgia. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they had they beat uh, uh, Alabama, and then that started sort of them all, sent them on like a on a streak of like playing some pretty competitive games. You know, obviously almost beating Auburn, which tells you everything when you know about our program is that almost beating somebody becomes a feather in our cap. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're all, we're all a little guilty of Rockin' nation and fans in general, just like we have set this bar for expectations so low that almost winning becomes justification for like keeping cons or at least being satisfied with a program. And it's just not, I mean, it you can't win, you can't lose close games or get drummed and keep your job. I mean, it's a win business and for Whatever the kinpom is, whatever our stats may be, whatever you feel about Conzo's end of game strategy or, or his recruiting or whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, the only stat that really matters is wins and losses. And, you know, it cost Kim Anderson his job because he couldn't win. And it's and you know what? Conzo isn't really winning. And so why would it not cost him his job, especially in year five? I mean, I just, if I honestly thought or saw something at a Konzo that made me think, wow, like this, this program is going to change. Something is going to appreciably change that I wouldn't be calling for. I mean, I know they've got a, you know, their highest recruit since his first season, you know, basically signed to play. But I mean, I just, this team is so devoid of talent. I mean, you look at the Mississippi state game and, you know, Mississippi State had a guy who was big enough to defend the rim. You know, what I mean, like we were outsized and they were just longer and more athletic. And I mean, they're not a good team, but just we're just so I mean, we're just such a horizon league roster that we just can't compete. And I see this sentiment on Twitter, sort of like that, you know, well, it's just the players just aren't that good, or the players just aren't this, or players aren't. Well, console recruits the players. I mean, I just feel like there's so many people that want to just sort of forget that fact or yeah. Um, you know, Conzo's in-game plan is fine. It's like, well, maybe it is fine. Okay, make your argument for fineness. All right, I'll agree with your fineness. We still lost. How many times do you have to lose before it's a trend, before it is the coach's fault, before it is we just dump a pant load every time we're in a tight game? I mean, I don't care if it's the greatest strategy in the world. If you can't win, you still got to go.
2: Well, if and, you're not winning, you need a new strategy, however fine your strategy may be, however sound it may be. I think the argument that, that his in-game strategy is not as bad as the results have shown this year is that last year we didn't have such, I think we're, I think we've lost six out of seven games that were really close and that's, that's pretty bad, you know, and, like you said, whether it is the lack of ability to execute for the players that are on your roster that you've selected and have obviously not been able to coach coached. up and, and get to the point where they can execute, that's a problem. Or whether your strategy itself is flawed, it doesn't really matter. The end result's the same and it's a L.
0: Yeah, it, it's a loss. It is really at some point it just doesn't matter how you get there, you know, like I okay, so Conzo Martin didn't want a fadeaway three pointer from the corner with a hand in his face at the end of the game. So, and maybe that wasn't what he drew up in the huddle, but his player who he coaches felt completely comfortable saying bucket to whatever plan they had and throwing up that ridiculous turd of a shot. As a senior, uh, either, yeah, either way, it's not good for Konzo. Yeah. So I, I want a winning basketball team. Nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier than be able to watch basketball and enjoy every second of it.
2: Well, Colin, and, February uh, is a terrible month. And when college basketball is good, that is a saving grace at this time of year. Honestly, the talk has been about his buyout. You know, we can't make a move on Konzo till after May 1st, even if they've decided that they want to, and nobody knows what they're going to decide. But in my mind, it is a good time to to make a switch, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, this year with Konzo's roster, it was a complete roster swap. All these guys we were losing from that team that made it to the tournament and proceeded to lose, switched over, and we had to build a team, and we built one that wasn't Didn't have a point guard. And that was one of its biggest flaws. Second biggest flaw is that we literally cannot shoot from three-point range. I mean, one of the key parts of the college game is just eradicated from the Konzo-Martin game. We can't shoot from three. So we built a team that can't do any of that. And we're going to have to rebuild it next year. Whether Kanza's our coach, he's going to have to find a point guard. He's going to have to to rebuild this team because what he's got now doesn't work. Or if we get a new coach, he's obviously going to have to rebuild the team. And I know people want to keep Aiden Shaw because he's our big recruit. And he's a you know a top 50 high school player, a four-star small forward. But do we want to keep Kanza around just so we can keep this one recruit? I don't think he's somebody you build your program around. He's not the next Michael
0: Jordan. Well, I mean, surely you, I mean, I'm sure whoever comes in will work hard to keep him if they do get rid of Conzo. Right. But, you know, they also don't have anybody to protect the rim. They don't have a true, fried true rim protector. You know, that Brazil kid's been given a good effort and Kobe Brown, you know, he gives it his all, but he's not a fucking center. And, no. and um,
2: Brazil reminds just, me of Jonte Porter a little bit because he is a good, talented player, but he's a little bit too dainty, at least now.
0: I mean, he could bull. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe
1: it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a
2: life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. But he's not a a banger, and they do need a banger. Yeah, he
0: looks young. He looks young and, and, and sort of light or whatever, but... And probably the most, I think the biggest indictment of this particular team is how badly they play defense. For a coach who seems to want to, you know, hang his hat on that, they don't do that very well. And I mean, maybe this is a style of play and it doesn't matter if you win, but we're not winning. But I would, I can't wait to have a style of basketball that isn't the most boring rock fight you've ever seen. Like that Mississippi State game was hard to watch. Yeah. Good Lord. I mean, that is a. Yeah, just ugly from start to finish, and nothing fluid or ab- about anything that happens in these games. You know, it's just like it's what is happening. How is everyone so such so such a disjointed mess?
2: You no, know, I've I've talked to somebody who is like, you know, the way konzo plays and his strategy. A perfect Conzo game is one where it is like fifty four to forty eight, and I'm like. God, that's miserable basketball to watch. And that's your, just, you're just saying that's your best case scenario. You know, that (laughs) you're supposed to be winning me over, and you're like, oh, great game would be 54 to 48. And I'm like, God, no, no, thank you. And you mentioned how bad we are at defense, particularly Colin, defending the three, as bad as we are at shooting the three point shot. We're one of the worst division one teams when it comes to defending the three point shots. It's like, God, if you can't, they get us coming and they get us going. And who knows? The the crazy thing about this team, Colin, the way they played against Auburn, some of the games they've played this season, who knows? Maybe they'll play Tennessee tight. Maybe it'll be lights out for them. It's college basketball. It can happen. But the way they've been playing lately, the way they just took two on the chin to a bad Mississippi state team, I'm not expecting miracles
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think the overall, what we're saying is the theme of this season has been Homocom.
2: Homocom.
0: And uh, I think everybody's tired of it.
2: Yeah know uh, I think
0: it's time to move on.
2: The online chatter regarding this team and the coach is palpable. You know what I mean? Like it is, I don't wanna say it's universal because there are certainly people out there defending Conzo to the death, tooth and nail. But they are increasingly out on an island because people have just had enough. And you're lucky to have the people bellyaching on Twitter because most people aren't belly aching on Twitter. Most people have just tuned out and forgot that we're even playing basketball this season or they're watching wrestling or gymnastics or softball. There's a lot of other options that inspire more hope than this basketball team. And that's where you really find your program dying is just the apathy
0: It's hard not to have apathy. I mean, like I said, not only are we losing, but it's a bad product. It reminds me of of like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at some of their lowest points had a quarterback named Tyler Thigpen. Uh, we, We played during the Tony Gonzalez days of the Chiefs, and we were bad. We were really, really bad, and we lost a lot of games. But I'll tell you what, they were an entertaining football team to watch. You know what I mean? They were entertaining. The doesn't even have that going through him. As long as we lose close games, and boy, wasn't it a barn burning. Man, it was fun to watch. No, it was a dirty, nasty rock fight that we lost, ultimately. There's not even the lipstick on this pig that, like, at least it was an entertaining product. You know what I mean? Like, if I had to sell this basketball team and its entertainment value, I'd be like, well, I'm going to quit this job and find a better job. <laughs> I don't want to have to sell this dog shit, you know, because that's – it's tough to sell dog shit.
2: Sure. Not a lot of buyers.
0: No. So, no, nope. people don't like dog shit.
2: I don't know how our I listeners mean, understand. I
0: loves dog shit, but not us.
2: <laughs> I don't know how our listeners understand the supply and demand curve, but demand for dog shit low traditionally. Low. Traditionally,
0: yeah. And I think you're going to find that too. Like for all the conzo apologists or those that would say, you know, his, you know, he's really he's a pretty good coach, regardless of product and and your eyeballs. What's really going to bear that is when he leaves Missouri. Watch where he ends up. Some tells me he's going to spend some rough days not in division one for a while because i think he's pretty much laid bare what he is at both tennessee and missouri and and cal i mean he's just everywhere he's gone it has been you know i hope you like dog shit folks i guess i mean it's just gonna have to find that special ad who's looking for dog shit
2: (laughs) well i mean i think at his best he's milk toast and at his worst he's dog shit because this season is dog shit if we do lose out this will be an I mean, there's no arguing about it. It'll be a dog shit season. But, you know, when when he takes you to the tournament and you lose in the first round, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But it's just milk toast. It's nothing exciting. You're not getting – you're never getting a year where everybody's stoked as long as Conzo's at the helm.
0: All the basketball experts out there, I mean, I'll listen to them tell me he's average. I'll listen. I won't agree, but I'll listen to it. But better than average is – I, don't, I can't even I won't suffer that at what aspect of the game because I don't see it on defense I don't see it on offense I certainly don't see it on the recruiting trail and I understand he is a nice guy I'm sure he's a nice guy I know I've bitched about this before that most of the people saying that do not know him and so they're just regurgitating what they've been heard I'm sure he is a nice guy in all likelihood even the people that don't know are right he is a nice guy and so that does make it hard to get rid of him because he's an arrogant douche it, it makes that decision easier I get it and it and no doubt being a nice guy and being affable and being a a, a guy who you wouldn't mind your kids playing for has probably certainly got him more mileage than a coach who was a jerk. But nice guys finish last. And that's the truth. I mean, and especially in division one college sports, what regardless, most coaches aren't nice guys. And there's a reason for that. They're arrogant pricks who know a lot about basketball.
2: Well, and I don't even think his niceness has a direct impact on his lack of winning. I think it's just... Just doesn't no, have neither
0: do I. I'm just saying it's not a reason to keep him.
2: No, and you know the thing about Konzo too is maybe 10 years ago he is successful. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like I think the game, I, I, Colin, I think in sports in general, there is a real sort of sea change in the way people look at how games and Events and sports are played. I mean, you look at at baseball, and you've got the sh- the big shifts going on, and the the way people are using their pitchers, and then you've got positionless basketball, and even individual sports like golf, where you got the Deschambault sort of rethinking on you know like how do you approach shots, and do I go for distance and not worry about accuracy, and all those sorts of things. There, people are reevaluating how sports are played in America, and in college athletics, it's more than in the pros in some ways because of the NIL stuff and the changing of the playoff dynamic. There's so many changes going on right now. And maybe, maybe Konzo's greatest flaw is he's just not keeping up with the changes. I feel like that's one of the confidences I have in Drinkwitz. is that he's so much better at social media, so much better on the recruiting trail. He's so much better at marketing himself than Barry Odom ever was. Konzo has no interest in any of that. You know, Konzo is not that kind of guy, and you might just have to be now. And if he doesn't, if he can't meet what expectations are now, then maybe we need another guy.
0: I think you're right. I think the, the world's just changing faster. The, the landscape of sports is changing faster. You know, just in general, I mean, Mizzou's not going to be a hard team to figure out. And every SEC team that we're going to play is going to be have watched a gaba tape. They're going to have figured us out. You've got to be evolving. Your offense has got to be evolving. The way you recruit's got to be evolving. You basically, as a coach, constantly have to be evolving. And we've talked about this before. We go down the football roads with the Belichicks, the Sabins, who will evolve. You know, Gary Pinkle... Who God love him, was not an evolver. You know, and I think that's what happens to some of these older guys is they okay. is they they can't evolve and then they disappear from competitive coaching. And I, I maybe mean, that's what happened. With, I'm saying that's what happened with Pinkle necessarily. But I think it's certainly, we saw it with Norm Stewart, if you're old enough to remember, the game just kind of passed Old Storm and Norman by. And maybe that is part of what is happening with Konzo. He's not keeping up with the social media side of this recruiting. He's not keeping up with NILs or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Whatever he's doing is not working. It's time to change. And the $6 I know, sounds like a mountain of money to you and I and to most people listening to this podcast. But it's not. It is not a mountain of money in terms of basketball coaching. And, you know, it's not a mountain of money in terms of does Mizzou have boosters that could write a check tomorrow for $6 million and not feel it at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I don't know that people need to get hung up on that number so hard. I know the athletic department is running in the red and has for quite some time, but I'm pretty sure that the money that's going to be used to buy out this contract is not going to come out of the fucking girls volleyball budget. You know what I mean? Like it's not how it works.
2: No, I think if, if they want to make a move, they'll find a way to make a move. That's, that's not the issue. It's just a matter of strategy and Colin, I think a, a consideration that needs to be, taken into account as much as any is just what does the available coaching pool look like this year do we put ourselves in a better position to get a better coach next year when we're not bound by a May 1st deadline and when who knows maybe there's just a, a different you never know what how the apple cart is going to get upset in any given year and what coaches are going to become available and certainly if you make the decision to keep Konzo, you don't know that you're going to get better coaching pool next year but it's maybe it's worth taking a risk if you don't like what you're seeing already I don't know. It, there's a lot that goes into these kinds of decisions. And I think, you know, what, Does the, the question is, I guess, does the rest of the season really mean anything for Konzo Martin and for the program? You know, if we lose out, if we lose the next four games and we lose the first game in the SEC tournament, is it going to change the decision-making process from if we win out? I, I don't know that it does. I, the die may already be cast.
0: I, mean, I think the athletic department, part of the decision to fire Konzo is has somebody stepped up with six mil. That could be part of it too, because we are running in the red and it's not like we just, they just want to write a check out of the, out of the athletic budget for it. So is there a disgruntled booster out there who says, yes, I'll pay for that, this to end for this suffering to end. But there's another payday on the other end. Like if you're going to, you know, I've heard a lot of names being banched about, about who here, here's who is available and who's who we think we should hire. Like, well, what is that going to cost? Because what I want is to pay it. I mean, I want to pay it. I want to be able to pay it because I don't want them going down another Kim Anderson road. We're like, you know what we'll do? We'll just hire the local guy and go cheap because and that works out so well and then you had to overpay for like i said Conzo martin who you know did not have a glowing resume when he showed up and really you know the feathers that they want to stick in his cap you know for recruiting basically a kid's dad did that for him you know what i mean like one kid's dad we had a relationship with a person that had a relationship with a person in Columbia. And now we end up with the Porter brothers. We can talk about Conzo to we're blue in the face. Everybody knows where the Mazad cast stands on him. We have not been coy about sticking our flag in the round and saying, Conzo's is not a good coach. He needs to be gone. It is what it is.
2: The chatter is already, even though a decision has not been made, there's already talk about who might be the next coach. And I think one of the topics that is a hot topic amongst Mizzou fans, and we haven't, for whatever reason, addressed it yet, Colin, is you see people talking about Kim English, who's now the head coach at George Mason. And I understand the appeal of Kim English. And I think that Kim English was likely a good basketball mind, but it has a lot of warning flags. A hiring of a Kim English for me has a lot of warning flags. One, I'm tired of guys cutting their teeth at Mizzou and Kim English has not even completed his first year at George Mason. Secondly, he's 13 and 12 there. It's not like he is You know, the next the second coming of Coach K or something that that we got to get him now. In fact, maybe better off having him cut his teeth somewhere else, get a little bit of a reputation, and then we're in the running because we are Mizzou, and I think he loves Mizzou and would like to have this job. Yeah, I I mean, my personal opinion on hiring Kim English is maybe, but not right now. I mean, I've been burned one too many times on True
0: Sons. Exactly how I feel about it. I'm not against Kim English. English. I'm just against Kim English right now because he really hasn't proven yet. And one – part of a season that George Mason does not a coach make. You know, I understand there's an affection for him because he's a Mizzou guy, but he does not have a resume yet to, it says it honestly is an insult to Mizzou to want to hire a guy with his resume. You know what I mean? Like you're a division one college basketball program in the SEC, and you're going to hire him. And his only real qualification that you like is that he used to play here. I mean, if you hire him right now, you're just saying Kim English and Kim Anderson are the same in this respect, neither one of them are qualified for the job. They would just be getting it out of affection. And so I'm not saying never Kim English. I'm just saying Kim English needs to earn the job and not just get it because of who he played for, you know, because, because it could be just another situation where we're right back to Kim Anderson. There's no guarantee that Kim English is going to be good. And he doesn't have a track record that makes me feel like, yeah, that's definitely an easy choice to make. Not not at all. I don't, I I don't honestly want him at this time. I want to, I want him to, it.
2: I think a little seasoning on Kim English will really win me over. I mean, if he has some success at a George Mason or even if he takes a job somewhere else before he has a chance to come here, I'm in no way opposed to him. And I think he's, a, like I said, I think he's a good basketball mind. He's young. He's enthusiastic. He will engender enthusiasm in a way that Konzo's never been able to do. I mean, Conzo's had support, but it's never been just like crazy support. It's more like, look at him. He drinks out of a Starbucks cup. He's our guy. You know, the Starbucks cup shit is long gone. I understand the appeal of Kim English. I certainly wouldn't want to get dragged into a social media fight about the pluses or minuses of a Kim English because I just don't have the – I'm just not that jazzed about the conversation. There's a, there's going to be other guys out there. And I think Mizzou fans really have to realize, too, at this point, we have dragged our program so far and for so long that if we do get somebody who's successful, we're a stepping stone school right now. If somebody has success at Mizzou, we'll likely lose them in five years to a dude well, or something. It goes
0: back to the Drinkwits argument. If which is what we hope he is, will be a stepping stone for him. But that's what Mazoon really needs to be is a stepping stone. We need to be so good because ultimately, everybody's a stepping stone school unless you're a blue chipper. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, there's more, much more stepping stone schools than there are Kentuckys, you know? But Kentuckys hire their coaches from the stepping stone. Some, everybody gets their start somewhere. You know what I mean? Bill Self was at Illinois before he became Kansas's coach. Everybody gets their start somewhere. So, Good on them. I hope they hire the next coach that gets poached because he gets a bigger job because we, he's had so much success here. I hope the same thing for Drinkowitz. I hope that Alabama has to come knocking for Eli Drinkowitz because that's how much success he's brought Mizzou. Nothing would make me happier than Eli Drinkowitz being the guy who replaces Nick Saban. <laughs> uh, but well,
2: winning it. What they
0: really need is a recruiter. I mean, that needs to be the first thing on their list when they look at candidates and the last thing they need to look because that is what matters in basketball now. Do you have talent? I mean, Kentucky does it all the time. They get these crazy talents, but these one and done players do, a lot of these programs do it and a lot, it never fails. These blue chip programs will have these struggles early on in the season. Like, is Kentucky, you know, what's going on there? What's going, you know, but by tournament time, they're just a buzzsaw because, yeah, they're, these players have not played together, but they're win enough games through the season to make the tournament and then let that enormous talent gel. But what you need at the end of the day is talent. And so I don't care if he's a great X's and O's guy. I mean, he doesn't need to be. I mean, he needs not to be incompetent, but just the most important thing. First thing on the list, last thing on the list, the first thing in, in, in our 80s mind when she goes to bed and the, the first thing that's in her mind when she gets up is I need to hire somebody that can talk to kids and get them to come to the school. we got two major metropolitan areas on each end. We need basketball players. You know, I don't care if the guy is a fucking genius That's strategy. I want somebody that can get me some ball players. Because if there's all if it, all you can recruit is what like we've got right now, it ain't gonna matter if they're a genius or not. Because we are outclassed and out talented in just about every game we have played. And the, one of the biggest indictments is even in the games where we're not completely outclassed, we still lose. See UMKC, see Liberty. You know what I mean? Like we have got problems up and down the board. But what we really need, a great salve to this wound talent
2: and that means the transfer portal as much as it does recruiting high school players these days and that's where Conzo has lacked even i mean he's never been wowing us with his recruiting of high school talent but he's certainly doing nothing in the transfer world i mean he's you know we got a drew smith and drew smith was really good honestly if you piece the best players of Conzo's five years together you've got a really good team but you've never had them all at one time well colin let's move on because uh you know i, I know this topic gives you diarrhea
0: Yes, it does. A violent diarrhea.
2: But uh, let's move on to football. And I think we've been doing this podcast long enough to know now that if you hear news of the football program in February, it's usually bad because that's true and we we got some bad news today i don't know did you hear about this
0: the safety that got uh a little trouble yeah the uh drugs and the guns and whatnot
2: yeah it's a good recommendation for any coach to tell your players not to drive around with firearms and illegal drugs both of which can get you charged with felonies and when you're charged with a felony at mizzou you don't play sports anymore uh mizzou backup safety stacy brown was arrested for unlawful possession of drugs and a firearm in the middle of the night last night i guess and uh, he's been mostly a backup. He's played in 25 games, so he's not completely a scrub. But it's not something that I think is going to make anybody lose sleep over. But it's just one of those things where it's like, God, 18 to 22 year old boys do stupid shit a lot, no matter how much they've got on the line.
0: It's always crazy to me. Like if you live are living a life where you feel required, you know, going to parties or places that you feel required to carry a firearm with you you need to reevaluate what you're doing with your free time as a college basketball player. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the drugs don't even bother me. I mean, it depends on the drugs. I mean, if he has a big bag of meth, that's one thing, but if he just had a big brick of weed, I don't care. It's all varying degrees of of bad, but the the gun thing is just like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like why you have a gun? You know what I mean? Like you're a college student football player. You don't need a gun. I'm certain of it. I certainly don't need to have a gun. Just don't have it in your car for, starters or even the drugs thing I mean why do you have it with you yeah you know I mean
2: have you, your guns you, and your drugs, drugs hard
0: or there's a lot of them because they is my understanding maybe you could clarify this but that the drugs charge is also a felony charge
2: it um, is which means it's probably not a small amount of marijuana
0: yeah as I was trying to say I'm like that that's that's not that guy didn't have a, a couple edibles and a J you know what I mean that yeah. guy is what are you doing, man? Yeah. So, probably good riddance to bad rubbish, ultimately. If you've got such bad judgment that you're going to carry firearms and a federal, federally level amount of drugs with you in the middle of the night and, and put your future and your football career at risk, then you probably were probably better off without your influence in the locker room.
2: Have all the guns and drugs you want. Just keep them at your apartment, for Christ's sakes. And it, yeah. it was calling. It was 109 a.m. Monday morning. So he's out late Sunday night. And the thing that gets me, the real stupid part of all of this, is not, not having hard drugs. It's not having an unnecessary firearm in your gun with you. It's, what are you doing with it on Rock Quarry Road? That's where he got pulled over. And I know Rock Quarry Road well. It is super fucking curvy, and it's super easy for fucking cops to pull you over. I've been pulled over. When I was a young man on Rock Quarry Road, I didn't have a gun on me I was, uh, well, let's not get into all that. But I was chasing pussy, <laughs> and it ruined my night. It uh, I didn't end it as I'd expected to end it when I got pulled yeah. over on Rock Quarry Road. And he said I'd cross the center line, and it's nothing but curves. I'm like, yeah, everybody who's ever been on Rock Quarry Road is crossing the center line. So I'm sure he got pulled over on the same stupid innocuous thing. And then now he ain't no football player no more.
0: The difference between you and this kid, Vernon, in college is you were a, a normal college student who you know, you completely autonomous from the school really you were just you lived in the columbia and you went to classes and if you didn't show up or you made bad decisions no one cared i'm certain that there's a, the coaching staff has probably made it really clear to these football players that probably not to carry firearms and lots of drugs with them around and get pulled over i mean they probably have, have heard many speeches about guys make good decisions got you know what i mean like they've mm-hmm. had people in there so not only is it This guy making this decision, he's probably doing so when he has an apparatus around him at all times, reminding him not to do these sorts of things. Whereas you, you just had our parents and, you know, we both know they were pretty derelict in their duties.
2: (laughs) Sure. They didn't turn out very uh, successful adults.
0: No, they sure didn't.
2: <laughs> but uh, I guess other news, Colin, is that uh, spring practice is beginning. And uh, spring game is happening in March, I think.
0: You know, it has got me all chubbed up over here.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, Drinkwitz has had a radically different approach this spring practice season compared to coaches of the past at Mizzou. He likes to get it over with early, and he does not advertise the spring game. He doesn't do any pushes. I don't know if you remember the year that uh, – was it a Barry Odom year or a Pinkle year where they had – like games, here, yeah, they we went amusement park games and balloons and all kinds of things to lure in a bigger crowd because at that time everybody was bragging. It was like, Georgia brought 85,000 people to their spring game. We can probably be bringing 1,200. And um, yeah. anyway, Drinkos doesn't even try. His goal is to get out of spring practice as fast as he can Get nobody hurt and then get right back on the recruiting trail and give guys, if they do get injured, more time to recover before the fall football season starts, which I think is a sound strategy. Uh, I don't know if it's the best strategy, but it's it's it makes sense to me.
0: Well, I think for Drinkwitz, it that's easier to do now, especially because you've installed your offense. There are upperclassmen on your roster now who can kind of coach up the other players. I mean, I think it would be a hard thing to do if you is your first time head coach, you need spring practice and as much of it as you can get to try to get everybody up to speed, which is another reason Drinkwich was behind the eight ball because he literally came in during the COVID shit. But, but at this point, you know, I can understand that. I mean, everybody, but the freshmen are going to know the offense and Drinkwich doesn't necessarily need to be there with them, holding their hand uh, lockstep all the time for them to learn it. And honestly, other than people like Luther burden, how many, and maybe the running backs, but I mean, how many of freshmen are really going to be expected to carry the boat, so to speak, for, uh, for the team. So I I think it's, it's smart because your freshman, not being up to speed on the offense is probably less detrimental to your success this season than injuries in a spring practice uh, to a player who actually already may know the offense, but is a integral part to your team whatsoever. Unless, you know, they start losing football games and I'll have an issue with everything that Drinkwitz did.
2: Yeah. Well, You know, we're not even going to see Sam Horn. He's not on campus yet. And I think that uh, really, I don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be, but, you know, a, a starting freshman who didn't even play in the spring ball practice period. The odds of him starting on day one are are low. But the way baseball keeps fucking themselves in the ass, and Major League Baseball, I don't know if they're going to have a season this year. It just looks worse and worse by the day. If I'm Sam Horn, I put aside my baseball aspirations because football looks a lot more assured right now. And if he was on the roster, I think a lot of the question marks about this Mizzou team going into the fall are going to start becoming answered quickly. And those preseason prognostications, those early where does Mizzou fall in the SEC, and a lot of people are putting us at four wins. This year, I think if we have some quarterback depth, or at least just some quarterback answers, and if Luther Burden is what he's been sold to us, then I can expect us to beat that four-game estimation and probably handily. But it's a lot of ifs still at this point. So the spring,
0: and not to go over old ground, but like Drinkwitz hasn't had wild success at Mizzou. You know what I mean? Like he's floated around five hundred, and so. There are certainly reasons for some of the fan base, and I've seen some of the fan base showing some very real frustration with Drinkowitz. But look at how much more sort of leash he's getting because of the recruiting. You know, people want to see these players on the field to hopefully have their talents come to fruition. That is another place where Konzo, he got that Shaw kid, but I mean, ultimately, if if there was a bu- if you had a bunch of confidence, and you know Conzo as the recruiter. You say, well, yeah, you know, like we'll give him more time, but, and I think that's one of the reasons that Drankwitz is probably enjoying a softer, nicer, easier way at Mizzou because from the very beginning his recruiting classes have looked better than Barry Adams ever did, and now with this recruiting class, keep in, in the top fifteen. If you believe some of the recruiting services, it's hard not to be like, well, we got to give this guy at least a couple more years to get these guys up up to speed, you know. But when an NFL coach drafts a quarterback, you know what I mean? Like, well, you got to, you know, he's, it's a brand new quarterback, so you can't blame him if we lose a bunch of games this year. It just buys you time. And like, you know, Conzo didn't buy any time, but Drinkwood certainly buys time with these recruiting classes.
2: I think the mindset of the fans, I know for me. Is that when you look at Drinkwitz and you look at Conzo and you see the recruiting success that Drinkwitz has had, even if he's not been incredibly successful, been around a five hundred coach, you just see the ceiling is so much higher because of the talent that's coming in. And so you think, yeah, we haven't seen it yet, but we know this team is going to have a much higher ceiling than an Odom ceiling was. And when you see Conzo and you see that just year after year, okay, we got one good recruit coming in this year, but last year we didn't have shit, and you know Jeremiah Tellyman was okay. The ceiling, we, you know, we've seen the Konzo ceiling. It's 15 wins. And and then you look at Drinkwitz's schedule and he's like, okay, he wins six and six. That's not great. But then you look at Konzo right now, he's 10 and 17. You know what I mean? Like 500 would be a dream season compared to what we have in basketball. So even with yeah. Drinkwitz not being super successful, he's so much more successful than what Konzo is right now. So uh, between having the higher ceiling and just his bad years and being not as bad, not anywhere nearly as bad as Conzo's bad years, it's easier to be, uh, to have hope spring eternal for Eli Drinkowitz. Compared. But I,
0: and I think uh, when we were on Twitter making those Conzo arguments, somebody had mentioned, well, I see you're going to be this way about Drinkowitz and, uh, you know, because of Barry Odom, and he's not been any better than Barry Odom. I'm like, well, technically, I guess, I mean, if you think the product on the field looks the same as it did when Barry Odom was coach, I would disagree. And Barry Odom never had a co- recruiting classes like this. And truthfully, if I'm going to go along with that line, of thinking, okay, well then he's only been as bad as Barry Odom, but he's never been worse. You know what yeah, I mean?
2: Like that's I, right. That's and then with Conzo Mark,
0: he hasn't been here as long. But listen, I, I don't think anybody needs to worry about us jumping ship on a coach. You know, the minute we see the the cracks, we are we're happy to do so. I mean, like yeah. with Conzo, I mean year three, I was like, I don't see what Konzo's doing that is giving anybody any real confidence.
2: Yeah. Well. Um, and the thing with a Barry Odom comparison too, Colin is that while we were ready to get rid of Barry Odom, he never had a season that, that was a disaster like this season has been for basketball. You know what I mean? Like he he's not he wasn't great. But he always just sort of eked along. And I don't think he ever had less than five wins in a season. And, and if we're talking about comparing it to where we are with basketball right now, this would be like a three win season in, ba- in football, you know? And we yeah. didn't, he didn't do that. So Odom is not really an apt comparison to Kansa because Odom wasn't a fucking total disaster. He just wasn't the right guy.
0: Listen, Odom's a, a coordinator. That's what he is. That's fine. He's a good coordinator, fine. I think, for the most part. He's fine. It's fine. You know, he was. He he ran Pinkel's offense or defense and ran it well, and he's obviously had some s- some level of success at Arkansas. Like I, you know, if, if the word on the street wasn't that Barry had such a basically sour ass attitude towards Mizzou, I don't think I think he'd still sort of live in that true son era that Kim Anderson does where likes you but you just didn't work out. Barry went out a little bit grumpy, but you know I mean like time heals all wounds. I could very much. Imagine a scenario where you know seeing Barry Odom at Mizzou events again in, in Waven and, and everybody clapping for him, you know what I mean?
2: But it's oh, yeah, it's
0: not going to be for a while.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly, I don't think the Odoms are interested in coming to any Mizzou events. For no, that's what
0: I mean. I think the I, I don't think the the lack of love in this relationship is on Mizzou's end, you know. It's the Barry's feels pretty jaded, I think, about his whole experience here. And so, and I don't know, I mean, we don't know the ins and outs of how it all went down, but how could you have the career he had and then be shocked? when you don't have a job, you know?
2: No, yeah, exactly. I mean, how much, yeah. How mad can you be? I mean, and you, this is a job where <laughs> you don't expect to get a gold watch at the end of the day. You know what I mean? People get fired yeah. as coaches all the time. Well, Colin, I think before we wrap this up, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, Mizzou gymnastics uh, ranked number seven in the country, had one of the biggest wins in its history, defeating number five LSU. The SEC is as dominant in the gymnastics world as it is in any other sport, football or baseball or whatever. And it's one of the few I feel like that Mizzou has managed to keep up. And they got a really good gymnastics program right now. They were coming very close in a few. Games against top competitors like Florida, but they pulled it off against LSU with one of their, like I said, greatest team combined score. So congrats to them. The wrestling team is obviously doing its thing. It's been, um, you know, a rock and roll program for a long time. So good on them. And then, of course, softball season has Started as well, and there are high hopes for the softball team that made it to the college world series last year and looks to be a better program this year. They stumbled out of the gate a little bit, but they are uh, six and two, I think, at this point. So they're uh, number 17 in the country. If you are sick of Softball's basketball, a
0: long season,
2: yeah, it is. If you're sick of basketball, there are a lot of things in the Mizzou sports world where we look pretty good right now. Now, they're not their big money stuff, it's not the things that everybody puts their eyeballs on, but if you're looking to feel good about Mizzou, there's Places to look, just not on the basketball court. And
0: I I think most people would agree that uh, know those programs know that uh, that success has started at the top, i.e., the coach.
2: Yeah, some people uh, and not would say the
0: that fans showing up or not showing up or administrative support in some vague way. It's the coach. The yeah. coach is what stirs the drink. That's where it all starts. That's where the success begins.
2: That's right. Well, Colin, let me ask you this question before we shut it down. Will you watch the Mizzou Tennessee game tonight?
0: Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't have anything going on tonight. I'll probably have it on the TV for as long as I can stomach it. You know, if we get, I'm one of those Mizzou fans that, you know, we get down by 20, I turn the channel. Yeah. You know I mean, it's, I'm not going to watch us get our throats slashed, you know, and then occasionally you flip back and you say, oh, we closed the gap to six. I better start watching again. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> we don't do that. No, we don't. Uh, if we're, once we get down, we get down by 20 fast and we stay there. That's kind of our <laughs> M.O.
2: Now, I think there are some Mizzou fans that have gone on Amazon and searched out the little whips that the monks from the Dan Brown books use to self flagellate. And when yeah. Mizzou goes down by thirty points in the second half, they just start whipping themselves in the back with it. and Keep watching, and every time we give up a turnover, they whip themselves in the back. And every time we miss an offensive rebound, smack another shot in the back. I don't like to do sports that way.
0: No, not me either. That that is funny. You, Mizzou like if it's going to be a close game, it's usually close from start to finish. It's a rock fight. And if not, we're getting thumped by 30 and it's just basically just a bloodbath from start to finish.
2: We're not known to we claw had our way games
0: way back. We got way down and then came back or they got what, you know, or we were way up and they came back. That happens occasionally.
2: You can't close out big deficits without shooting three pointers and we can't shoot yeah. three pointers. So that's just never yeah, going to happen. With this team. So, yeah, All righty. Well, we we got four to go. Spring football is on its way. I mean, the seasons are turning finally. So maybe there'll be something positive come from it. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the season ends up. If we do lose out, if we do end up with a 10 win season, I do think there's some optics and some psychology about that in the same way of losing to UMKC where it just becomes really tough. To overcome. And it's the kind of thing you look at, and they're like, you know, in his final year, he only had 10 wins. It, that's going to be hung on you forever. So don't underestimate the significance of going out on what would it essentially be like an eight game losing streak. Konzo's never had longer than a four game losing streak in his time at Mizzou. And some people, Count that as a reason he's the greatest coach ever to come into Columbia. But uh, they've got a three-game losing streak going on now, and they're facing a uh, ranked opponent and then going on the road. So that could all change, and he's going to be hung with it forever if it turns out bad in the next couple weeks. Well,
0: I tell you what, if, if, if Mizzou beats number 17 Tennessee, that, that, I, that, is, that singular game on, his, on our schedule is the one game that, could look good enough that maybe it could breathe new life into the Conzo another year argument. But I think at this point, it be if he wins out, but I, I, it, I at this know. point, I, the writing's on the wall. I feel like, I mean, it's, 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 it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, yeah. um, whether that be this off season or next year, but I don't think I don't, I can't imagine a scenario where he keeps his job, he stays next season, has a bunch of success, and then they get a new contract from their five years or something. I just think it's a, it's do you want to, do you want to take your licks now or you want to take them later? But at the end of the day, you're going to take your licks.
2: Yeah. All right, folks, if you want more info, you can always follow us on our Patreon account. It's just $3 a month less than the price of beer at the bar, and join the party. You can always follow us on Twitter. We're pretty active there at Mizodcast and Instagram. And you're always welcome to email the show, Mizzodcast at gmail.com. We don't get emails as much as we get phone calls, but I'm happy to read them out if you've got some long-winded opinion that uh, you want to uh, share We'll read about three or four lines of it and then uh, throw it in the trash.
0: (laughs) You make a hard sell, (laughs) Brennan.
2: That's right. Well, okay. Till then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Now he ain't no football player no more.